Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 836 with Matt Plapp. Everybody thinks you can hang a banner up and somebody is somebody's going to just see it and and take action. People become immune to banners and posters. Like somebody has to point it out. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant unstoppable, Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Restaurant owners know it can be almost impossible to keep everything up to date, even making adjustments on your menu. And I know it's probably one of the most important marketing tools out there, if not the most important marketing tool. That's why I'm so happy to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. Pop Menu seriously is the full digital solution for independent restaurant owners. When you invest in Pop Menu, you get a dynamic interactive menu that hooks your customers from the start. And let me tell you, they really do love that review feature. You get a mobile-friendly website, and I cannot stress to you enough how many people miss the importance of a solid website. And you also get marketing and integrations to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. What are you waiting for? As you can see, Pop Menu gives restaurateurs all the tools they need to put the focus back on what matters the most, the people and the food. Trust me, if you are a restaurant owner, you need to check out Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, my listeners get $100 off their first month plus an unchanging lifetime rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Yo, Unstoppables, I want to use this ad space to let you know about an affiliate relationship I have with the company Mies. Actually, Mies has been a past sponsor, but they've adopted this really great affiliate program, and I want to give it a shot. But here's the thing. I won't get credit for your referral unless you use my specific, special, unique Link and that link is getmes.com slash unstoppable. So if you listen to this ad and you want me's, make sure you use that link. And instead of actually uh, recording a new ad, I really like the first one I did with them. So I'm just going to roll it and uh, let the ad work. It's magic. Here it is. Here are four reasons why you need me's in your restaurant. 
One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. Never again waste time trying to find yields and converting unit measures or creating extra sub recipes just to account for yield updates because Mies has a database of thousands of ingredients and prep actions with yields and conversions built right into the interface. So you get immediate output of your costs and your conversions. That's huge. Number two, you will train your staff the right way and save countless hours. Your team sees in real time updates of all the recipe content. Plus, you can send notifications and answer questions directly through me's quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image so you can show your team exactly what they need when they need it. Here's the third reason why you need me's in your restaurant. You will reduce waste and execute with consistency. Me's enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need. And that's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions. Tell Mies how many portions you want, watch your recipe scale automatically. Tell Mies how much yield you want, watch it scale automatically. You can even enter the amount of ingredients you have on hand and then watch the recipe scale automatically. Here's the fourth and final reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. It organizes and shares your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive specifically for the culinary operation. Here's your call to action. Go to get Mies. That's M-E-E-Z dot com slash unstoppable and make sure you mention restaurant unstoppable when signing up to get three free months when you get the annual business plan. Get on it. What's going on? Unstoppables. We have a great show for you today. We're talking to Matt Plapp. Matt's been on the show a few times recently. Uh, and I mean, he's just really a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to marketing. And uh, he's somebody who's been on my radar for a few years now, but because of this rule I created that I don't promote any tools or services until they've been referred to me organically, um, we haven't been able to connect until recently, but we, we have connected twice now. And I think like a couple months and it's totally been worth it because Matt knows his stuff. So Matt Plapp out of college worked for a radio station from there. He went to go work for his dad where he basically just learned the world of marketing and he's been learning ever since. Uh, he got so good at marketing, he decided to open his own marketing firm, mattplapp.com. And today he's driving around the country, interviewing restaurateurs, much like I do, uh, sharing his knowledge about the world of marketing. And he's somebody you want to be following. Today, we're kind of picking up where we left off the last time we had him on the show. So you're kind of getting a glimpse of what happens in Restaurant Unstoppable Network is we have these experts on the show, and then I'm connecting these people these experts with the members of restaurant stoppable network to do some peer mentoring where we ask questions, we go deep, we, we share, we support each other. And that's kind of what's happening today. We're reinforcing those lessons that we learned the first time he was on the show. We're diving into his book, restaurant marketing that works before, during and after the pandemic. And just, I don't know, there's a lot of value in today's episode. Uh, and if you are somebody who recognizes that they need to step up their marketing game, uh, first, you know, definitely go get this book, Matt Plapp restaurants, marketing that works. Uh, and, um, there's some calls to action. So make sure you stick around to the very end of today's episode. We can tell you how you get this book for free. And, also, we're going to let you know how you can support this podcast by working with Matt. So with no further ado, here he is, Matt Plapp. Today's session is, in my, correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to obviously talk to us about how to attract, uh, keep and, sorry, attract, attract, build and retain your guests. I'm thinking it's probably going to be a little bit more of like an open forum. Are you expecting the lecture? I don't know. We don't really have a... a, a, a 
of what's the word I'm looking for a syllabus or an agenda to go over today. So I'll kind of just pass it over to you to introduce yourself to everybody. If you did not catch episode, I believe it was, Oh, what episode number was it? I think it was eight twenty one. Does that sound right? That's a lot of episodes. Yeah, dude, you've been crushing it lately. I don't know if you guys have been following what Matt's been up to, but he's been driving all over the country, uh, showing me up. I love it. <laughs> so you want me to introduce myself? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I uh, appreciate having me on, by the way. It's uh, Matt Clapp. Uh, I guess technically my title is CEO of America's Best Restaurants and Restaurant Marketing That Works. One's our media company. Uh, which our goal is to create the world's only restaurant-exclusive TV network. Uh, and I say TV. I also mean, obviously, that little device in your hand, the phone, that people can see content on now. Uh, and then Restaurant Market Networks is a digital marketing firm that we own that helps restaurants uh, build databases, manage the database, and just get a lot of attention. So we've got a team of, I don't even know, 40 or so uh, and people. Uh, that we have a headquarters here in Northern Kentucky, right by the Cincinnati airport, which if you're not aware the Cincinnati airport is in Kentucky, we get ripped off get credit for the airport, but it's here. Uh, we're at our offices right now. We have 9,000 square feet here. Soon the lower level is America's best restaurants university. And we'll be having the, the likes of Eric down here uh, doing some in-person workshops uh, in our 50 seat person, 50 person seat, little workshop room downstairs. So, uh, Exciting things, really having fun with it. As Eric mentioned, we drive around the country. We have a second van coming online. We have a uh, Mercedes Sprinter van that's wrapped. That's a, a studio inside, I guess you'd call it, kind of a podcast room almost, but also a conference room that we travel uh, every week and film our TV show in person. We have three crews that do it here in this region, and then one on the West Coast that uh, their van comes online in about a month. But uh, my team actually flies out tomorrow to go to Greensboro, and they have High Point and Winston-Salem this week. And then next week, we're in Asheville, North Carolina, and whatever's across the state line in South Carolina, maybe like Greenville, South Carolina, or something like that. And then uh, we're going to the National Buffalo Wing Festival in Buffalo, New York for Labor Day. And then we've got a 200-stop schedule for the month of September in this region. So we're doing it in 21 days. That's absurd, man. Uh, You guys are absolutely crushing it. Uh, So, I mean, where do we find that? If if we want to watch those interviews, where do we go find those interviews? So they'll start debuting September 6th on YouTube. Uh, Got it. Three a day at 9 a.m., 1 p.m. and 5 p.m., I believe. America's Best Restaurants, americasbestrestaurants.com is eventually where everything will live. It's a live website. Uh, It's not marketed to the public hardcore. But if you were to go there and click on North Carolina, that's the state we were, we're just finishing up. You'll be able to see listings on there and you're going to look at crazy crab and you'll go there. And the, the where, where America's best restaurant started at was uh, from a conversation with restaurant owners about three years ago, we were in San Diego at a conference and the, the messaging, the conversation came up about what don't you like about the two biggest places that consumers find restaurants, Google and Yelp. That's the two biggest places that consumers eyeballs are attracted to restaurants. And the, the conversation was they didn't like the narrative, that you didn't control the narrative. If it's positive or negative, it's not up to you. It's up to the algorithm or the consumer. And so we originally, America's Best Restaurants was just going to be a website. What if we created a website that down the road would be an online place for consumers to find their favorite restaurants? And then it became, well, how's that any different? So then we said, you know what, we're going to travel the country and shoot videos. And every restaurant that's on the site will have a video interview about their restaurant, their brand, 
And that's where it came from. It just took us three years to get enough money to kind of do it. And here we are now driving around the country filming uh, every week. So how are you going to change the fact that we can now control the narrative? How are you changing that? Because the people that control what's on that page is my company and that restaurant. Uh, there's no consumer input. Uh, we've got an editorial team that identifies restaurants that we think fit the bill of what a restaurant that a customer would want to visit every week looks like. Like, for example, we had about five or six last week that had applied that I saw and said, no way. Like, I wouldn't go there. If I yeah. won't go there, I eat out every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the most part. If I won't eat there, I don't expect us to tell consumers to eat there. So, I mean, there's a little gray area from a standpoint that, you know, it's our team and we work with some companies like Cisco and we're working on an agreement with PFG right now and a couple others to where they, they understand how to identify and recommend to us. Hey, Matt, this is XYZ restaurant. Here's why we think they fit what you guys are looking for. Uh, and there's a lot of things. Obviously, we look at online reviews. We look at the ownership. Uh, if it's locally owned and operated, is somebody in the four walls because yeah. we've seen there's three major things that influence uh, consumers thought process on whether a restaurant is awesome or not. And one of those is really honestly somebody in the four walls that actually gives a crap. And so we've got a, a, a profile and avatar that our team has built that our producers look at and they have, typically they have about 60 calls a week to narrow it down to 10 people that we're going to visit that week. Wow. Awesome stuff, man. I'm excited for this release. You know, you got one viewer right here. I'm going to be tuning in for sure. And on this kind of a tradition here at Restaurant Unstoppable to start off every conversation with a success quarter mantra. I know it's not your first rodeo, but if you got one locked and loaded, if you got one in your back pocket, you can pull out for us. Drop it on us right now. If I have my car keys on me, I think they're in my car. I wouldn't have it in my pocket because the keychain <laughs> key on it is my logo. Actually, crap, here they are. The keychain on it is my logo, my initials, MP. But the nice. back of it says the hardest part of about writing your own story is knowing that you're worth the ink mm. and that was from a, a kid quill song. And I don't know who else, maybe he got it from, but I, I find that a lot of things for me, I'm a very, I think things come to us for a reason. I'm a positive energy person. That's why I like the color orange. That's why my logo MP is also kind of a fist bump. Cause I think it's a, a positive thing. Matt does not have six fingers by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, so the concept for me is I, a lot of songs that I think find me and a lot of them if you think if you listen to songs that relate to you and uh, a lot of it's about self-doubt I don't think that a lot of us believe in ourselves enough and so that's the quote with me the hardest part about writing your own story is knowing your worth thing I think we're all made able love that. amazing stuff it's just a matter of if we believe in ourselves. I love that man uh, it kind of reminds me of like whether you believe or you don't believe you're right and I think I butchered that a little bit, but you got to believe and nobody else will believe in you if you don't believe in yourself. And I think I miss, for some reason, I thought you had six fingers on that shirt, but I just counted them again. There are five. Well, there's, one, two, three, there's a, uh, some people get confused on the one that's folded over. Oh, okay. That's what it is. It kind of looks like one there, one there. Yeah, it's man. such a great logo though, man. I love that. A fist bump, Matt Platt. Um, so where does it make sense to start today's conversation? I, I'm feeling like today's is going to be kind of like an overarching discussion of those three topics of tracking, building, and retaining your guests. But why don't you just take it from the top with attracting? And if you guys have questions along the way, just throw your hands up. I think this is going to be kind of a, a dynamic, fluid workshop, not so much rigid, no real structure, but those three items. So just take it, take it from there. And by the way, you've got a second you in the group. 
that he's got a darker beard. <laughs> yeah, he, that's Jared. It's just easier to just share one profile because of the back end oh, files and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, a buddy of mine pops in my webinars all the time. And he calls himself Amanda Hug and Kiss. And the first time he did it, I thought that was somebody's name. Like, I'm not going to make fight, but he wouldn't turn his picture on. But, anyways. You're so, a better man than I am because I would have definitely had to go after that. I was, I was, I was, I was thinking, is that somebody's real name? But well, <laughs> go where, where the where the ABR comes from is, you know, we were obviously trying to play off of our words of our company, America's Best Restaurants, ABR, and how can we, you know, what we currently do. And oddly enough, our it was pretty close. It was AAR and attract, attain, retain was what we always said. How do you attract people? How do you attain their information? How do you retain the customers? Well, then we obviously build it, changed it to attract, build, retain, because it's the same thing, build, is that I think there's a, a key issue in the restaurant business, and it all comes down to the middle number, the middle letter there, B, build, is that everybody gets, a tr- they attract people. You get attention. You have Facebook posts that get attention. You have emails that get attention. You have text messages that get attention. You have signs up on your restaurant that get attention. My biggest passion is that I feel restaurants fail when it comes to getting the information of the people who know, like, and trust you. And I always use the example of my wife. You know, we're 22 years, two, two and a half weeks ago married. Uh, we've been together 26 years. That relationship doesn't start if when we're at study hall in college, I don't ask for Christy's phone number. If I don't ask for her phone number, there's a chance I don't go on a second date and a third date and a fourth date. And the restaurants all want to get married and have babies with your customers, but you don't want to date them. The dating part starts with getting to know who they are. If somebody's made the hard decision to walk in your restaurant, that means they've driven by other places. They've walked in, parked their car. They've got their credit card out or their cash. I mean, you've already crossed a lot of thresholds. You have to do whatever outside of tying them up and putting them in the back cabinet and keeping them. You've got to get you've got to get whatever you can from them. And so to me, attention is the way your restaurant goes. Well, the best way to get attention is to have people's information. And a lot of times people gamble with that. It's all Matt comes here every Tuesday for Taco Tuesday. He knows and loves us. What happens if the pandemic hit and Matt doesn't drive downtown anymore? Now, Matt's over here. Matt doesn't see you anymore. Six months later, he forgot about Taco Tuesday because he's been working from home. And so that's the big thing I really focus on is how do we help restaurants understand that the most important thing you can do from a marketing standpoint is use all of your efforts and resources to get people's information so that you can more easily communicate with them on your terms. So up to this point, any questions about how to do that from the people that have joined us? I'm just kind of curious, what what are the best practices on getting that information? So number one, put a plan in place of the five places that people touch you. Number one, your four walls. You know, I was just showing, I had a, a restaurant here that owns a guy, a guy owns a place called Poseidon's Pizza. They have four locations here in Northern Kentucky. And I met him through a charitable event with the high school football team recently. So he came in, wanted to pick my brain. We're talking business. And we're talking about the, the five places that in my mind are the most uh, biggest opportunities to reach customers. Number one is inside your four walls. Like somebody walks in your building, you better have a tactic in place to get their information. And what I was talking to him about was SOPs, was having a standard operating procedure. We have a, a company or chart with my company that says everybody's position and their job in that position. And when you got 40 plus people, like restaurants, most of the restaurants, 
have 50, 60, 70 employees. Do they know what their jobs are? Well, somewhere in that four walls, somebody's job description needs to have get the customer's information. Uh, and I'll get back to that in a second. The second part is your current data. One thing the pandemic has really helped a lot of restaurants with is it's forced customers to get savvy on how to order food online. You know, I had friends of mine, like my mom and dad, like didn't know how to order food online. They're in their 70s. Now they're bebopping all over websites, pick, doing pickup orders at restaurants. They love it. Put their credit card in, put their info in, walk in, grab that, get the hell out. So there's data coming in there. What are you doing with the data? There's, a, there's just data sitting everywhere in restaurants, computers. Uh, the third part is your website. People are visiting websites more than ever. They're scanning QR codes and going to your website to look at your menu. They're, they're scanning them other places to get information. So your website has to have a tool and a tactic to get people's information. Uh, the fourth are online listings. A client of ours recently had 133 people join their VIP program from Yelp. Why? They changed the link on Yelp. We don't need to send them. You can make posts in your Yelp profile. Want a promotion? Great. Click this link. You're going to get a buy one, get one free burrito. 133 people visited his Yelp account and saw that on there. It cost him zero to get their information. And then the last but not least is social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, Snapchat, MySpace, wherever people are. Is MySpace still around? I don't know if it is anymore. I'm, I don't know. I'll check right now. <laughs> but wherever people are at on social media is another place to get their attention. But you've got to have a plan. And so let's start with the four walls. You know, I had a conversation recently. This is about three, four months ago. A guy that we know has two restaurants we work with. Him and his brother run them. He runs one. His brother runs the other. Identical restaurant. Very similar demographics. Just different neighborhoods. And I looked back and the one restaurant had like 50 people that gave their information from the in-store QR code. They had QR codes. They had check presenters. They had stickers for the counter. They had window posters. They had bathroom posters, all that stuff. Called our in-store kit. You guys have all seen it. You guys all get it from Pepsi and places like that. And so get the in-store kit, both locations. And one gets like 50 people. The other one gets hundreds. And I called him and I said, I'm looking at your back end because we track everything, which is important. I said, I noticed that your, your store that you run, this is yours, right? It's like, yeah, I'm like crushing it. Hundreds of people are giving us information that we're using the market. Your brother's has like 50 people. What's the difference? He said, well, I made it part of the SOP, just like you wash your hands. He just gave them the flyer and said, hey, uh, at the register, people, four people pay, have them scan that code. Yeah. And so the experience. I want to make sure I'm um, uh, abreast with the conversation because I'm not going to lie. I did make sure that MySpace is still an active. It, it exists still. Uh, so are you, did you bump back up to the, uh, the we, we have SOPs, we have current data coming in, we have websites, we have online yep. listing, we have social media or the five I counted. Did you bump back up to SOPs? I'm up into the four walls now. So Okay, got it. So I, so I went back to beginning. So you got the five ways to gain data. Yeah. Your in-store, your current data, your website, online listings, and social media. So you've got to build an SOP, a standard operating procedure for every step. I mean, everybody's company should have that. Like, I'm sure a lot of you have it. I didn't have them four or five years ago. When somebody told me what an SOP was, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got those. I'm like, Google, what the hell is an SOP? But you need to have an SOP for what's going to happen, what positions are. And so within that restaurant, I asked him, I said, why did your restaurant – outperform your brother's 20x. He said, Matt, my brother's store, you walk in, the employees were told, hey, we got this 
this new thing. Like they scan the code, it goes somewhere. I don't know, really know. And they, they give information, they get, they get stuff. His, his attention that there's a lack of attention of detail carried over to his employees. Cause now he doesn't really give a crap. He doesn't really own it. He didn't train his employees on it. Nothing happened. 50 people accidentally scanned the code. Cause what would happen was a conversation would be like this. I'd walk in and you're Eric and you'd go, Hey, Hey Matt, thanks for coming to Loco Taco. I thought the name would you make that up? Uh, Hey, by the way, thanks for your business. If you want to scan that code, you'll get something. Oh, okay. See ya. Don't scan it. The other location, he made it part of the process. When you come back to the, the counter, you have to wash your hands. You have to put gloves on. When you take their credit card, here's what you do. They have a system. And part of that was, hey, if they're not using their phone, that shows us they do not have current enrollment in our VIP program. So you ask them what they ordered. Eric, you got a burrito today. I bet you'd love a free burrito next week when you come back on Wednesday again, wouldn't you? Heck yeah, why wouldn't I? Do me a favor, scan this QR code. We're going to ask you five questions. It takes 20 seconds. You're going to get four awesome offers, including a free burrito for next Wednesday. Scan it, answer questions. I'll see you then. Thanks, brother. See you later. That's how one guy got 50 and one got 750. It was because his employees understood it. The operator owned it. And he crafted a conversation. He told him, hey, here's the script. Insert burrito, tacos, nachos, steak, chicken, whatever, and give them a valid reason for wanting to scan the code versus just randomly having them, oh, hey, by the way, there's there's a code you can scan if you want to. Yeah. So I'm curious. uh, And a lot of times people... There's the argument where you shouldn't give anything away. You shouldn't give things away. But I think in this scenario, you're not giving anything away. You're trading because in return, you're getting that contact information. But I guess what, what I'm curious about at, up to this point is, is there a sweet spot of the right amount of generosity? Can you be over generous? Like, wh- how, like wh- how do you coach people through finding that balance of giving just the right amount without giving away too much? The way you can the way you can be over generous happened to me two weeks ago. I don't know if you saw I made a post about a smoothie shop I go to and their toast loyalty. Uh, I use their I I got lunch from them today, a place called Better Blend. I went literally went on my phone, ordered an acai bowl. Me and Doug went and picked our bowls up, came back, had lunch here. I had, I'm a I go there three to five times a week, probably five to ten, honestly, some weeks. So I get lunch, I get smoothies. I had no clue I was gaining money on the back end and getting points and toast. I happened to log in two weeks ago. And it's like, hey, you got $38 in free stuff. And I'm like, what is this? And so literally my entire food that week was free. And the only, only reason I redeemed it, I told him, was to prove a point to him. And he just gave me $38 he didn't need to give me. I was coming anyways. And so the way you do that is one of the things we tell clients to ask. When you've got people joining something, find out one important question. Are you a frequent customer, a new customer, or a lost customer? Because you don't need to be crazy generous with that frequent customer because Matt's going to Better Blend five days a week anyways. Why in the hell would you give me something free every week? Now, if I said I've never been there and I'm a brand new customer, now you've got all the incentive to try and bribe me and get me to walk in your restaurant more often because I've got to pass somebody else. What's going to force me to drive past my place? Like I see Sean on here from Cali BBQ out in San Diego. I'll be there in like three weeks. You know, What's going to force me to drive past a barbecue restaurant that I might have eaten at 30 times to try him for the first time? And that sometimes is a free item. But as you said, it's not giving away free food. It's bribing them. It's bartering. It's saying, hey, 
I have no problem proving our worth in exchange for your information. And that's that's a key element. A lot of restaurants say, oh, I can't do that. I had a restaurant recently that they're offered. They asked me, one of my team members for advice, they were on a podcast, heard about me, and we talked about some stuff, and they said, Hey, look at this offer we got on our website. Nobody's using it. And it, literally, I'm not exaggerating. Like, buy four entrees, get a drink half price. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> that's like me going to my daughter and go, hey, you know what? If you clean your room, I will give you half of a penny that I found that the lawnmower hit. I, <laughs> I feel obligated to, to, to take that font, that fountain drink cup half the time. I get this giving me, like, ah, do I really want this? I'm like, sure, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to get something of value, not something that's kind of like a slap across the face. Thanks for your syrup. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay. As far as we're still talking about the four walls in-house SOPs and in that moment, like you're kind of describing what that standard operating procedure looks like. Any questions from the folks that have joined us up to this point around what we've covered before we move on to the uh, current data coming in, i.e. online ordering, things like that? Or I don't want to cut you short. Is there more you want to unpackage with the four walls? No, I think that's I think that's the biggest aspect of it. Is everybody thinks you can hang a banner up, and somebody is somebody's going to just see it and and take action. People become immune to banners and posters. Like somebody has to point it out. Like how many times? Like I go to the, the cabinet at our house and I say, "Hey, Christy, where are the protein bars?" And she's like, "They're on the third shelf." And I'm looking at the third shelf. Where on your left? Where in the basket? Oh, they're in the basket. Like people need to be told stuff. And so I think when you look at four walls, the easy part is to get a poster and tape it to the door. That's easy as can be. Number one, please, if you do this, please fold the tape over behind it and make sure it's not on the edges. It drives me crazy. Like we look in our office here, like I've got stuff hanging up. The tape's invisible. Sorry, pet peeve. But people think because they hang a poster up in their four walls or put a taper top, table topper that people are going to take action. Within a couple visits, it becomes immune. They don't see it. Like, it's blind. Like, I, I remember going to a restaurant down the street from me, uh, Quaker Steak and Lube, and they've got, they're the king of point of purchase. I mean, literally, it's everywhere. They've got NASCAR cars hanging from the ceiling. I actually forgot the one room had a Corvette hanging from the ceiling. Like, I had seen it so many times, but I'm sitting there one day, I'm like, oh, shit, there's a Corvette. I forgot about that. How did you forget a Corvette hanging from the ceiling? Because you see it all the time. And it becomes background noise. So in-store marketing, somebody has to own it. Somebody has, people on your team need to know the best way to have that conversation. And it can't be, hey, Eric, uh, you don't want to join our program and give me your email, do you? Of course, they got to say no. It's got to be, they got to be excited. And I had a client there who said, how do I tell that excitement? I said, well, you ask them, do you want a job here? Well, yeah, well, the way you keep a job is if we succeed. The more customers that come in our restaurant, the more we succeed. The more people whose information that we can invite back, the more we can get people in here. I love it. <clears throat> awesome stuff. So I think we can move on to uh, the current data coming in. I think the most obvious one is your POS or online order and things of that nature. What am I missing? You know, the secret, the secret place where data lives is your company email. I had a client, the, uh, this was probably about six months ago, is he's like, Matt, we've got, we got no data. You have no data, none at all. How long you guys been open? 21 years. You've got data. Where? Where's your email? You have an info at, well, yeah, we have info at blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what's it through? It's through Gmail. Okay, do me a favor. I showed him how, I loaded a shared screen. He logged in. He exported his sent mail file. He had 17,000 unique email addresses 
that he had eaten. And I said, you know what? I said, yes, there's going to be some customers in there that you were replying to that were jerks. But the bulk of those are people that asked for hours, that asked if you catered, that asked if you would donate to their charity, that asked if you'd support their high school. And literally, we ran it through a thing called Never Bounce, which we've now found another place that's a little less expensive. But we ran the list through Never Bounce, and that 17000 was put down to like thirteen. He had like 13,000 unique email addresses he had never used. And you, you, you partner that with your information from your point of sale, with old loyalty programs. A lot of people have a catering sales manager that more than likely has a database somewhere of a bunch of people's information. We had a client recently who was pretty unique. He was talking about the same thing. It was the opposite. He didn't have a ton of stuff retail, but his catering person had like 1,000 people that she had prospected over the years and sold catering to and did stuff. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put together an employee gift. Here's a gift for all of your employees. Forward this to your employees. They click the link. They go into a place. They give us their info. It generated like 700 people within a day to join the program because they sent it to the people that, hey, by the way, Hope Business as well. Hey, we just launched a new incentive for our regular customers. I know you guys have been a catering customer. Would you do me a favor and forward this to all of your employees and let them know they can forward it to friends. It's a unique, everybody can join once. And sure enough, like literally the first day, 700 plus people clicked the link and went in there and gave them their information. I'm like, look, let's keep doing it. Awesome. And that's, I mean, those are just two examples that you dropped on us on top of the online ordering, which is just there. And so I'm, I want to make sure I understand. So if you have, a, if you're doing email through Gmail, you can then use Everbounce to what's that process look like? Is it just a matter of like, yeah. So if you're using Gmail, you can export everybody you've sent email to ever into a CSV file. You dedupe it by, you know, doing there, going there, highlight all the columns and saying, remove duplicates. And then you upload that into never bounce N E V E R bounce. And what never bounce is a lot of reasons that your email URL might get a bad name is by sending out emails in bulk to people is that if you're sending it to known bad address, like for example, let's say there's a hundred, let's say there's a thousand of those 17,000 are AOL. My mom still has AOL, by the way, which I crack up over because a buddy of mine was one of the executives that sent those CDs out back in the nineties. Uh, but she has an AOL account. And so let's say that you, you upload this list raw and you send it out and AOL servers get a thousand inbound emails all of a sudden and 600 of them are email addresses that don't exist. Well, now AOL system is saying this person's a spammer. Okay. So you put your list in the never bounce and never bounce will remove the email addresses that they can see in the system that are not inactive, that are inactive. And so what it does is it, it gets rid of the bad email. So you've got a clean list. Now, is there anything you have to do if, if you ever make contact with somebody, if you email somebody, if they email you, yeah. are you breaking any rules by just emailing them without permission or adding so, them to the list? There's a gray area there with the can spam act. I mean, obviously, if you've got those emails in your system, they have communicated with you at some point. There's really not a rule you're breaking, but there is a best practice. If you're going to do that for the first time, I'd say the first three or four times you email them, very top, first line, why they're getting the email and how to unsubscribe. Eric, you're getting this email because in the past, we've communicated with you from our restaurant email address. If you do not want to receive this communication, click this link right off the bat. I think people will respect that. I mean, you're going to earn points by doing that because they're going to be like, well, I appreciate you. you, From the very get-go, you're 
you're respecting my time and my attention. Yeah, and that's uh, a good point. Yeah, and I'm curious, what if somebody unsubscribes? Is there is there a scenario where you are allowed to reach out to them or email them if they unsubscribe from your email list? If somebody unsubscribe, I don't know the legality of it. I mean, me personally, no. If they unsubscribe, gone. Erase them. Don't send them anything. That's why you should have one email place that you use. You upload your info and the emails come from there. So if somebody unsubscribes from there, they're not getting anywhere else. Uh, but I don't know the legalese there. Uh, I, I don't know it deep enough to know what the rules are. I would imagine if somebody tells you to quit sending me email and you send them email and you keep doing it, doing it, doing it. If somebody doesn't want to be on my list, like I tell you all the time, and the quicker I can get people off my email list, the better and more fine tuned I can make my email list. Mm-hmm. Better conversions, right? Yep. Um, is there anything left that you want to unpackage around current data? Around current data, let me do something real quick. I'm gonna have somebody give me some water. I'm thirsty here. So no, man, do what you gotta do. Let me see. And, uh, feel free to join the conversation up to this point, guys. Uh, the idea behind today's chat, really, we had uh, Matt's episode go live. I believe I pulled it up. It's episode 811. I thought it was 821. It's actually 811. And we go deep into leveraging your marketing to build a database. So this is kind of compounding off of that conversation, uh, meant to be more of an open dialogue, free-flowing conversation for people in the network to connect with, to connect with Matt and to ask the questions they have to really pull back as many layers as possible. So don't be shy. Feel free to throw your hand up, ask questions. I got to show you this sign. I think you'll appreciate Eric. So this is our, 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 our common space of the office guys in a astronaut suit at a donut shop in a DeLorean. I love it. <laughs> That's great. And by the way, I do not have a drinking problem. I actually don't even drink, but I, my water bottle is a growler uh, because I found that uh, it held a lot of water and I, I lost my, lost my actual mug. I had a cup in here and somebody jacked it. Somebody jacked my MP. So the last two weeks I've been drinking out of this growler that is from a, my first ever like email text campaign back in 2015 to get people to join Hofbrauer houses left. We gave away logoed growlers. Interesting. So Wes just commented, he just joined and said, what have I missed? Everything. (laughs) Start from the top, Matt. (laughs) So when we're we're talking about the data, we talked about in-store gathering, talked about your current data. Uh, The next three items, website. Uh, Website's a goldmine, man, but have an intrusive pop-up. I was talking to a restaurant about two months ago. I had to scroll down to like 400 feet. That's exaggerating, but I had to scroll like my finger hurt to get to a spot that said, hey, join our email newsletter. And I'm like, okay, number one, it's way, nobody ever scrolls down here. I'm scrolling because I'm looking for it. Number two, I don't think anybody has ever been excited to join the newsletter of a restaurant. They might want to join the newsletter of a brewery because they want to hear the new beers, but create a better name for it. You know, join our VIP club, the news you can use, you know, whatever, but have something intrusive, a pop-up, have it in the top of the page, have it where they have to do it or don't. Like we encourage a pop-up with a little X. Either click the button and join or exit and close it. That forces them to do it. We get a lot of people to do it. So do you recommend, a, I know there's different ways that you can have your pop-up react with your, your, your screen, whether it's like a time from landing on that page, whether it's when you're moving your cursor towards the X, it will pop up before you get there. Or if you scroll down so far, it will pop up. Is there one practice that you like the most or you recommend people follow? I like them all. Uh, we use a three-second delay. 
I think when somebody comes, a three second delay is good. Uh, I've got I've got friends of mine that love the the exit intent, which you're talking about the X. That's cool. I mean, I, the first time I ever saw that years ago, it freaked me out. I'm like, whoa, how did it know I was up there? Like it was, <laughs> it was kind of weird. Like it knew I was leaving. Uh, the uh, but I also like the scroll one because somebody gets to your website and they scroll. The only negative with the scroll is what if they don't scroll? What if yeah. they see what they want on the menu? Catering, boom. And now they're there. I like the X because for me as a consumer, as a user, I, I know I tend to get irritated when I'm reading something so yeah. many seconds in and like something jumps in the way. I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like I won't even, I'm like, I'm immediately trying to exit it. But when you're leaving the site, you're, you finish what you came to do. And I feel like it's, it's still catching the attention, but it's almost, it's almost like being more considerate of yeah. the, the end user. I don't know. I like it. Uh, yeah, it's a good balance for me, at least. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of them work. I don't, ha- I don't have any quorums with one or the other. I think they all work pretty well. I just, I love the, the intrusiveness of it. That was funny. We had a, a restaurant we work with that has 18 locations and their web designer, we had tested with one of our, one of the locations and we said, Hey, we want to, or we want to test this with this location, this new pop-up idea. He's like, no, 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 that, that's way too intrusive. And I'm like, uh, that's, that's the object. But no, no, no. I, he was, he was, I call like a, a, a web savant. Like he, sometimes people are just too into certain things. And he was, he was crazy with regards to like the website had to be perfect. I'm like, dude, you want people to come to the website and give you information. That's the end of the day. You want to either come order food online, give me your information or walk your butt to the restaurant and get directions. And we wanted to be intrusive. So I was kind of confused when he's like, oh, it's too intrusive. I'm like, that's the concept of marketing. Marketing is intrusive. Like I'm on Facebook and you come in my life. I'm on a YouTube video. You come into my life. I mean, it's, that's the concept of it. Yeah. So we actually have some chatter happening in the uh, chat section, which is what I was hoping for. Yeah. I think Wes asked a question about what do you consider to be an appropriate customer acquisition for cost of, of a restaurant trying to open? I think that's similar to the question I asked earlier about, is there a sweet spot for the, the give? that you're offering. Can you give too much is what I was asking. I think that's similar to what Wes is asking here, but and that, is there and a different it, answer? I like, I like the question because I actually brought this up the other day. I was at the November of 2019. I was at the restaurant finance and development conference in Las Vegas. And it's a big, I don't know if you've been to that one or not, but about 200 booths and a hundred booths on the right were all banks. It was like, I think 72 different banks there, if I remember the number and unbelievable amount of people giving money out. The left were the franchises, Fazoli's and Subway's and all these places, wings over that you could buy a franchise. And I was, I was walking around talking to people and asking what the big, the big problems were. And some of these people that I, were there were, you know, pretty influential people in the restaurant world. And the one guy said, well, Matt, look around here. He said, look at this room. It's split up with people that are, can give you money and people that will give you a reason to spend money. Nowhere in between is there anybody telling you how to actually do it. It's like you can buy any franchise you want for the most part. Most franchises, you got a checkbook, you got a restaurant. Well, I brought up to a customer. I said, you know what? It's funny. This guy who spent a million two on his restaurant, franchise fee, build out everything. He gets to the week before the restaurant opens and he's got his, he's like trying to figure out how to do a, a menu on Microsoft Word, which I about wanted to fall over and die. And then the other part of he set no money aside to acquire customers. And that comes, you know, I always, I practice what we preach. We own a, I own a gym down the street, 11,000 square foot gym. We opened it in 2013. And when we opened it, we had enough money in the bank to acquire every customer for the next 12 months. 
we looked at a number and we said, okay, we think it's going to cost us $75. I don't remember how we came up with that number. We kind of looked at some different acquisition numbers in the gym business, but we think it's going to cost us $75. What if nobody finds us on their own? Nobody comes from referral. Nobody comes from family members. Nobody comes from organic social media. We need 150 members at 75 bucks. The money's in the bank. We all commit. It's going to be there. Guess what? We never touched it because early, well, we touched a little bit early on, but we replenished it and we were fine. So when you talk about a restaurant, what's an acquisition number? You should usually be able to spend between five to $15 to acquire somebody to walk in your restaurant. And it, the lower it is, is the higher average check you have typically. The higher it is, is the lower average check. So for example, if you're a fast food restaurant, uh, it's going to cost you a little more to get people because your check average is so low. You might have a $5 spend and it might cost you, you know, $15 to get that person in there. Whereas like if you're a, you know, a BlackRock like we work with or this Hofbrauhaus, house, their average check's like 54 bucks. You know, you're going to, you have a less of an audience that you're going to get because you narrow the audience as far as the higher end you are, the more niche your food is. But with your average check being higher, it brings the cost down. So typically five to $15. So if you were to use a, an average number, 10 bucks, that if you can say, hey, my restaurant needs to have, 1,000 customers walk through the door times 10 bucks. It's going to cost me $10,000 to get that. Now, this is where I come into markets, where I come up with the build part. Would you rather spend that $10,000 every month because you didn't acquire their information? That's what happens is restaurants typically rent audiences. You're renting Facebook's audience. You're renting Instagram's audience. You're renting a radio station's audience. You're renting a direct mail company's audience. Stop renting people's audience and say, you know what? I'm going to spend $1,000 this week. And my goal is to get 100 people to walk in the restaurant from this $1,000. But I want to have their information before they take that step. And so we, if you look at the acquisition costs, and this goes a little deeper than what I think Wes was the person that asked it. As a Wes Hunter, I think I saw. Yeah. Is if you look at the cost, we can typically on Facebook, for example, we can run a Facebook ad and for around a dollar, get somebody to give us their visit frequency, name, phone number, email, and birthday. Now, most restaurants, it's about a 20% conversion rate. So now I've got to get five people to do that to get one to walk in. So now I'm up to $5. So I just spent $5 to get one, five people to give me their information, but one to walk in the restaurant. And so when I look at that aspect, that's where that five comes into play on a lower end and then 15 on a higher end. I love that. So if we're opening a restaurant, uh, how much money do you think should be in the bank set aside for just this expense of getting new customers? I think it depends on where you open it. Uh, we were in Chapel Hill last week shooting our TV show. We were in Chapel Hill, High Point, Greensboro. And one of my producers picked a couple places in Chapel Hill. They were awesome restaurants. And we're looking at them and he's, we're talking about advertising budgets. And I said, well, this guy should have basically no advertising budget. Why? Like you walk by his restaurant to get on campus. We were there shooting the, the show and it was the first day of, of, of uh, classes at Chapel Hill. If I would have counted, I bet 5,000 kids walked by the door. You, you have to have terrible food, terrible service, and everybody hate you for those kids not to walk in your restaurant at some point. So your acquisition cost is your rent, is the fact that you're in a high profile place. Now, if he was 15 minutes down the road in a strip center with a car wash and a, a nail salon and a chiropractor, okay. That, that, that strip center you're in is not doing anything to get people there. They're just giving you a space. 
you've got to figure out what you're going to do. So if you look at your business and say, hey, I think we're based on this is where it gets a little tricky. If you're going to, you know, if you're a franchise, you might have an idea of what your store should do. Hey, I should have a million dollar store within two years. If you're an independent, based on some of your historical, you might be able to look at it and say, hey, I think from my past experiences, this can be a million dollars. So when you look at that million dollars, you've got to figure out what you can afford to spend early on and set it aside. And that's one thing that crushes me that people don't do. Uh, you know, I, I know a place down the street from my house, a boat and RV dealership, the guy spent, not not lying this, he spent 40 grand on a giant wooden bear that's carved. It's cool as can be looking. But I'm like, he complained about spending $50 because we used to be in the RV and boat business. He would complain about a $50 Facebook ad. I'm like, Eric, you've got a $40,000 wooden bear. Like, <laughs> like, shut up. Like, you spent money for a bear that hasn't acquired anybody. But if you can figure out the tactics of what acquire people, and that's what a lot of restaurants, they'll spend you know, 100 grand for their build out. Their sign was 25. Their boots were this. Their kitchen was this. Figure out that number and say, what do I want to have in, in scale? Like I want to, people are going to come here every other week. So that's 26 weeks. Okay. Well, if I want to do this much in business divided by my average check, how many visits is that? Let's say it's 10,000 visits. Okay. It's 10,000 visits. How many people are I going to get by complete accident? Because people are driving by here. There's a sign half. Okay. So I got 5,000 visits. The average person is going to come five times. I got to find a thousand people from my marketing. High end, it's going to cost me $15, $15 times a thousand, $150,000. Shit, I don't have that. I'm going to set aside 75. You know, put aside what you can and work off of that. Uh, and that was what that was again with the finance development conference. I asked them that. I said, Hey, I see you guys will finance. Where on this line is ahead, literally the franchise had all these line items the hood, the sign, uh, you know, a Quaker second lube, the car hanging from the ceiling. Where in here is the advertising acquisition budget? Like people just don't accidentally show up. You know, there is a good amount of people that will drive by and there will be a buzz. Yep. Uh, but that goes away really quick. Yeah. We just had uh, Stephanie Robson, uh, previous, or I should say retired professor from Cornell University yep. School of Hospitality or Hotel Management, I believe is the correct term uh, or identification of the school as I guess what I'm trying to say. And she covered this. Like we, we went over the, the part three of the business plan and today was all about capital budget. And she pointed out that not enough people focus on the cost of customer acquisition because you have to keep in mind, you're going to have that initial surge, but like when you open it, it takes time to develop those relationships. So you need to ask for it. You need to be proactive in getting those relationships and you need, you need to put money aside for that for sure. I mean, if you look at it, the part that people I think get, did struggle on, and this is the the mystery, I shameless plug. I just, my book just came out. It's like 12 bucks on Amazon, but one of the things in here talks about customer acquisition just came out a couple weeks ago. One of the things in there that we talk about is you don't need 10,000 people. I don't, I, we did the math. Our average customer needs about 600 people to become more loyal on an annual basis to make an impact. If you get 600 people to come in 20 times a year at 1,200 visits at you know, $40, you know, $20 a pop, and you just keep doing the math, you don't have to influence 20,000 people. You've got to get a certain number of people. So if you just look at it from a standpoint of saying, okay, every month I want my advertising budget to have an impact on 500 people a month. 
So 500 people a month I want to have an impact on because if you have great food, great service, and a great environment, why wouldn't I come back to your restaurant? The reason is I haven't been invited or I haven't been reminded. I mean, I can't tell you restaurants I haven't been to lately because I just haven't been reminded to go there. I don't drive by it. I don't listen to the radio. I don't see them on Facebook, whatever. So if you spend your money on marketing to acquire people's data, and that's what you look at every month. Okay, 500 people a month. Matt said, I got to get 500 people, 500 people's info a month. Number one, in-store, 100 people. 100 people is three, three people a day. If I can get three people a day to give me their name, phone number, and email address to a simple application, I just got 100 people. If I can get 100 people a day from my current list to get more information, that old email list I got, the catering list. If I can get 100 people a day from my, 100 people a month, I meant that day, month from my website, three people a day. 100 people from my Yelp and Google My Business page. And then 100 people from Facebook or Instagram, that's 500 people's information a month. And if they took the effort to give you that information, they've already pre-qualified themselves. Like, Eric, do you randomly go around giving people your information? No, I'm actually kind of very strict. Yeah, but, that. but, but if, you, if, if you walked into your favorite restaurant that you went to every three weeks and they said, Eric, we know you love the chicken and waffles. Did you know that our VIP program, you get a free order chicken and waffles? Here's my email. Take my wallet. Here's, yeah. here's my social card. Here's my passport. Here, here's my vaccination card. Whatever you need, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> So I think from that standpoint, uh, that's where a lot of people fail. And you don't have to impact thousands. You have to impact a few, but you have to consistently do it. And if you do, if you take all five of those approaches and say 100 people a month times three years, you've got a damn good database and then you've got to use it. Do you think think Pareto's principles coming into effect here when you're talking about just fewer, more of oil, like getting a better relationship with fewer customers? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, because if somebody doesn't like your restaurant, why do you want to be friends with them? Yeah, well, I'm thinking of like the 80-20 rule, Pareto's principle. And I think that we, we focus on volume, getting so as many people as possible into our restaurant. When I think that if you focus on getting, if you focus on that 20%, that's you know, responsible for 80% of your revenue, uh, where, do you, where do you lie on that? Oh, I love it. Because you look at it from a, look at it from a visit standpoint. Uh, in the book, I talk about, there's a part here that says, how many more mats do you want? There it is, page 56. There's a little scale of a bunch of mats. And what I was talking about in there was that I, there's a place called Walt Teaching Post down the street from where I work and live. Uh, it costs me and my wife, when we go there with the kids, it costs 250 or 300 bucks, like clockwork. We were there, me and my wife were there two weeks ago, $219 with tip. So it's not a cheap place. We go there maybe three to four times a year. And the reason is it's, it's, it's within 10 minutes of where I, where I live and work and work out, but I never drive by it. The location is no, I never literally drive by, so I never see it. They suck at marketing, from my opinion. I never see their marketing anywhere. They don't have my email. They don't have my phone. They don't have my birthday. So they have no way of getting Matt Platt to come back in on their terms. They just have to hope that Matt's dad, who does, my dad calls me every year and goes, oh, you know, it's a... Uh, Mom and I's anniversary this week. I'm like, oh, it is like, was like 800 years? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you want to go to Walt's? Hell yeah. Cause that's his favorite restaurant. So we literally go on my birthday. We go on my daughter's birthday. We go on my mom and dad's anniversary and then occasionally a fourth time. And I talk about in the book. I'm like, imagine I love Walt's. Never had a bad meal. Never had a bad experience. I love the ambiance. Love it. 
I just forget about it. Imagine if they sent me a text message once a month. Hey, Matt, have you been in this month? If not, we can't wait to see you. Hey, by the way, we've got reservations open this Sunday. Here's a link. Now, all of a sudden, my four visits go to eight. 250 times four is a thousand bucks in sales just from me going in there four times a year. If they get me to go eight times a year, which wouldn't be hard to be quite honest, it probably could get me to go there weekly if they found a unique way to touch me more often from a marketing standpoint. But let's just say they got me from four to eight. That's a thousand dollars in incremental sales. I'm not a restaurant person. All of you are. I know food costs is probably 25 to 30% of the restaurant like that. That's the only cost they have at that point. Their, man, their, their, their employees are already there. Their rent's already there. Their electric, their water. That is an eight, that's cost $700. That is $700 in incremental net and profit to the business because they got my information and used it and got me to come back four more times. So I came eight instead of four. And I, the book, I said, there's a thousand Matt Plaps in this area. There's a thousand people in this area that would go to Waltz four more times a year. Is that a million dollars? It's a million dollars. That's a million dollars. And it, now, and you know what? Let's say I'm 75% wrong. Is there anybody in here that wouldn't take a quarter million? Right. Yeah. And that's, no. that's the part that gets me. And, it, it, and it's at scale. If you're a, a restaurant, like I don't know what restaurants we have here, but if I'm Wes and I got Wes's pizza shop and his average checks 20 bucks and Matt Platt orders 10 times a year, how do I get Matt to order 15? If I can get Matt to order 50, or how do I get Matt to add on a, uh, a cinnamon bun that we have, a dessert pizza? How do I get him to add on some wings? You know, Papa John's, uh, you know, the national chain, I'm guessing everybody probably has. I think they're all over the country. I know they started in our region, like Louisville, Kentucky area. But Papa John's, like five years ago, did a promotion where I got a free cookie pizza. And at the time, I had never heard of cookie pizza, but I love pizza. And I love cookies. And I'm like, what the hell? That can't go wrong, a cookie pizza. And so we got the cookie pizza for free one time. Whenever we order Papa John's, which is about every month, my daughter loves Papa John's, we get one to two cookie pizzas. Because of that one free one they gave us five years ago. Yeah. It just, it's the gift that keeps giving. And that was a good time to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Yo, Unstoppables, I want to use this ad space to let you know about an affiliate relationship I have with the company Mies. Actually, Mies has been a past sponsor, but they've adopted this really great affiliate program, and I want to give it a shot. But here's the thing. I won't get credit for your referral unless you use my specific, special, unique link. And that link is getmees.com slash unstoppable. So if you listen to this ad and you want Mies, make sure you use that link. And instead of actually uh, recording a new ad, I really like the first one I did with them. So I'm just going to roll it and uh, let the ad work. It's magic. Here it is. Here are four reasons why you need Mies in your restaurant. One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. Never again waste time trying to find yields and converting unit measures or creating extra sub recipes just to account for yield updates because Mies has a database of thousands of ingredients and prep actions with yields and conversions built right into the interface. So you get immediate output of your costs and your conversions. That's huge. Number two, you will train your staff the right way and save countless 
hours. Your team sees in real time updates of all the recipe content. Plus, you can send notifications and answer questions directly through Mies. Quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image so you can show your team exactly what they need when they need it. Here's the third reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. You will reduce waste and execute with consistency. Mies enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need. And that's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions. Tell Mies how many portions you want. Watch your recipe scale automatically. Tell Mies how much yield you want. Watch it scale automatically. You can even enter the amount of ingredients you have on hand and then watch the recipe scale automatically. Here's the fourth and final reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. It organizes and shares your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive specifically for the culinary operation. Here's your call to action. Go to get Mies. That's M-E-E-Z dot com slash unstoppable and make sure you mention restaurant unstoppable when signing up to get three free months when you get the annual business plan get on it today's episode is brought to you by seven shifts seven shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs and effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success especially with this labor shortage, you need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using, like Toast, to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven s h i f t s dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. What is one of the most overlooked and important marketing tools out there? It's your menu. And honestly, I cannot blame owners for overlooking their menu. It can be super tedious and boring work, let's be honest. Not to mention, it's time-consuming between all the other channels of marketing, i.e. social media, direct mail marketing, and managing your operations and customer relations. Who has the time to dink around with their menu? Not many people, right? So that's why I'm super excited to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. From the website to the marketing to the contactless ordering, Pop Menu is the full digital solution for your restaurant. Pop Menu also provides a dynamic mobile-friendly menu that hooks your customers from the start. And this is a really cool tool. Diners have the ability to leave dish reviews, which really helps your menu speak for itself. Beyond these engaging features, Pop Menu provides marketing tools to build long lasting relationships with your guests. For example, you have the power to send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders or promote new dishes. You can even set up online ordering and delivery direct through Pop Menu. This means less ordering complications and loss commission to third-party apps. We all love that. 
frankly speaking, when Pop Menu reached out to me to be a sponsor, I didn't know much about them. We all know my rules that I only promote the tools and services that are recommended on the show. So I had to reach out to my network to get their approval. And I have to tell you, the feedback has been nothing but positive. People really like the menu review feature, the email marketing integration, and the fast and friendly customer support, which cannot be overlooked. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you can lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. We do have a few questions coming in. I do see Wes has been very patient with his hand up. We'll go to you first, Wes. I think he would be forced to raise his hand. Like you can't can't just hit a button. (laughs) Yeah. And then Ben, I do see your question and I want to make you uh, ask your question. We're going to make you unmute your mic. Can't get away that easily. Um, All right. Go for it, Wes. All right. So listening to your episode, uh, you talk about a lot of different buckets of uh, customer frequency of visits. So what would you consider the typical distribution of those buckets to be across uh, sort of your typical average restaurant client? So we typically see, and it's a weird question, but we, from a standpoint of the percentages, but what I typically see is about 50% of the people that we see come in are new. And then there's about 35 to 40% that are, are frequent and then about 10 to 15% that are lost. Now, here's why I say it's a hard, a weird question is that it all depends on how much the store owns their in-store marketing kit. Sure. That we just like, for example, we're working with a couple burger fire restaurants down in South Florida. The one store is 88% of the people that have joined our system that we use for them are brand new because they don't do the in-store. They don't do the website. They do nothing else except let us run ads and organic marketing through social media. We're finding the new people more often because they're not asking the most impactful people in the restaurant to join the program for whatever reason outside of our hands. So if you're a restaurant that is taking and saying, we're using the website, we're using uh, in-store, we're using social media, we got it on our online listings and we're using some of our old data you're typically going to see about 50% new. And here's why on our end is that we take those people that are frequent. So let's say you get a thousand people in two months and 300 of them say, I'm a frequent customer. We use that information to, to optimize our Facebook and Instagram strategies. And so we're excluding people that are frequent, but finding people that look identical, which helps us get more, more new people. And we can typically outperform in-store marketing five to one. You know, as bad as it is, restaurants, you know, 85% of people that walk in restaurants, there's, they leave without giving the, the restaurant their information. Some of our best clients might get 100 people in a day and they still only get 20 people a day to join the program because they just don't ask. And so when they do that, I can spend $10 on Facebook and get 25 people to give me their information on a damn good optimized campaign. They spend their effort and get 10 to 15 to join in the store I'm going to consistently outperform because social media is a lot easier than the in-store element because you, you got the human part. You got the, you know, my son works at a pizza restaurant as much as you can tell him everything to do. He's probably going to do it half the time. Yeah. What does your uh, shirt say? Adrenaline. No. Are you it in says, Whistler? Yeah. Wandering Whistler Ooh, Cafe little, is the name of the board game cafe that I'm trying to open. Are you in, in Canada? 
No, no, no. I'm in uh, Mattoon, Illinois. Where's that at? Uh, Central Illinois near Champaign, Effingham area. Okay. My dad's from Rockford, Illinois, just which is northwest of Chicago. Okay. Yeah. The uh, no, I saw Whistler. I like going skiing at Whistler up in Vancouver, Canada. You got me excited. <laughs> <laughs> it, it grabs people for a couple different reasons. So, uh, anyway. So, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. We really haven't dove much into online listings and social media. I don't think we need to pack unpackage too much there. I do see a question from Ben uh, asking what are actually. You know what? I'm not. I'm not going to let you get off that easy. I'm going to unmute your mic, Ben. You can go ahead and oh, you already were unmuted. My bad. All good. Um, I'm actually going to change up my question because I think it's been addressed a little bit. Yeah. It just sounds like, Matt, <laughs> um, that you, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you're a little bit less on reward programs and more about marketing to capture lost people or new customers. Um, so are you, do you still do rewards programs? Um, you know, I'm going into a smaller town, you know, there's a heavy summer aspect, but there's a, a lot of locals who you maybe want to do rewards for locals or something like that. Are you anti-rewards or how do you feel about rewards programs in general? So here's, I'm not anti-rewards, but I don't like them for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, if I like somewhere, I don't need a reward to go there. And I feel a lot of consumers are the same way. We all have our favorite place for to eat, to you, drink. You gave your smoothie example. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going there. I, and, and I also think, I think the majority of the population, if they enjoy what you do, they don't need to be bribed on a consistent basis. Uh, number two, about 60 to 70% of the people who are going to join any kind of marketing program have either never been to the restaurant or they've used to come to the restaurant and quit coming for some reason. Those people aren't joining any loyalty programs or downloading apps. You know, we, we talked to a company the other day. They're spending $28,000 a month on their app through uh, Punch. And I'm looking at that and I looked at their stats and it's kind of like we have a meeting this week. I got to show them some stuff that a $1,500 Facebook advertising campaign is outperforming that. And they can't figure out why. I said, because it's much simpler for somebody to engage in this Facebook campaign and get a free a VIP offer through messenger, text, and email than it is to download an app. Like I'm not downloading your app. Like I don't, I have like one restaurant app on my phone now. Uh, and that was just because it's a client and he asked me to download it to play with it. I don't use apps. I mean, I order online occasionally, but I typically go to the place. So I'm not anti-loyalty. I just know that somebody that's brand new isn't joining a loyalty program. And somebody that's frequent typically doesn't have to be bribed. I mean, I'll, a punch card. The old, I like the old punch cards, honestly. Like I'll, I'll use an old punch card before I'll use any kind of toast thing. Uh, now, there's some of, the, some of the bigger brands. Like I see Wes mentioned Starbucks, like there's Chipotle. I lied. There's two. I have Chipotle's app on my phone because my son orders Chipotle like it's going out of style. So if he's with me, I have the app on my phone to order it. But we, uh, those bigger brands have that cheating edge. They have a very clean system, very easy way to do stuff. The small mom and pops, the small independents, the small local restaurants, uh, the places that are in ski resorts that have a certain you know, winter, or like you mentioned, summer, the season. I just don't think that people care that much about loyalty. And we've seen it. I mean, we work with hundreds of franchises and it cracks me up because we're like the enemy sometimes for no reason of the franchise corporate office yeah. because the corporate office has their baby. And oh, we got the app. Our app is gold. It's what's going to end the world marketing problem in restaurants. 
And then they look at it like one of the ones we work with is I won't mention the brand. I guess that'd be a bad idea. But we looked at it and they're hardcore and they had two of the locations we talked to 11 percent of their monthly sales come from that app. But corporate wants them to put all of their marketing effort behind the app. And I'm like, why would you put that much effort to something that's losing that 89 percent of people over the last two years have told you? They're not using it. They walk in here. Like, I don't think that much about where I eat. And, and like, it's not like I'm planning for four days. Like I'm going lunch there. It's where are we going? Thai? Let's go to my Thai. So from a loyalty standpoint, yeah, I'm kind of against it because it doesn't appeal to masses. Like I said, somebody that's new or lost isn't, doesn't care about loyalty. They want to have a great experience the first time. And if they have a great experience. They'll come back. Uh, and I don't think people need it. We've seen, we've seen people that, are activated by simply being engaged, by simply being reminded uh, about a great, a great product or experience they have. They don't need to be bribed all the time. Yeah. So when I think of loyalty, uh, a lot of the the same reasons why people say couponing isn't the best way to go because the people who cap or take a, a advantage of coupons are generally not the most loyal customers they're they're looking for the, a cheap thing right now and they're they're going to go to the cheapest option those aren't the people you want to have a relationship with and i feel like loyalty programs generally kind of act off that same philosophy of cutting these people on this list a break for being loyal to us we're going to give you incentives we're going to make have you save money um would you it looks like you're agreeing with that you're shaking your head agree yeah. completely i mean our tagline for america's best restaurants for our roadshow is helping restaurants find frequent customers. Restaurants survive off of, member cheers, norm. Restaurants survive off of norms. They don't survive off of the infrequent guest. Well, a lot of people that are coupon clippers are infrequent or they're just clipping it because they know it's there in month. Like we actually surveyed, it was a brand uh, in Cincinnati we did some work with years ago and they, same coupon for like seven years in this local magazine called Reach Magazine. So my clipper now. 10 off 30 for seven years. It's still there. If I get it this month, guarantee the coupons there. And they're paying $3,900 a month to distribute that coupon to all these people. And they're getting like 1,400 redeemed every month. So 1,400, like, oh, it's, a, it's killing it, Matt. We have to use it. We surveyed the clients. We said, hey, every time for 60 days, when somebody hands that coupon to your server, have them ask a question or if they know the answer, write it. And a lot of them, they asked, you know, hey, got the coupon question. Were you coming in anyways, or did this coupon drive you into the restaurant? 60% said they knew the coupon was there, and they brought it because they were already coming. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty scary. You just spent $3,900 to give 800 people $10 off. So you spent $3,900 to give eight grand off to people who were already coming. So there's a $12,000 loss because of that. And so that's kind of, I think, the same way is that restaurants, and I think a lot of us need to look at it and survey your customers that the people who know, like, and trust your brand and that come back more often don't necessarily need to be bribed all the time. A little perk here and there doesn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt every once in a while if Walt Hitching Post texted or emailed Matt Plapp like, hey, bro, can't wait to see you. Hope you're coming this week. By the way, we've got some openings Monday and Tuesday night or Monday and Tuesday for lunch. Here's a free dessert. Hell yeah, I'll take it. You know, if people don't get addicted to free they get addicted to a coupon. And if every time I take my car to your repair shop, like this place down the street, he gives me 10% off. I'm like, Ted, quit giving me 10% off. I'm coming here anyways. And yeah. the people that want that 10%, that's why they're there. And when you don't give the 10%, they're Gandhi. So I, I'm imagining you want to at least address 
online listings in social media. We kind of mentioned it yeah. in a roundabout ways. Uh, Wes does have a question relative to loyalty, which I, since we're on that subject now, uh, we might as well just address that before moving forward. So I, I love the membership part. I, it, it, so I see it in here, uh, exchange yeah. on loyalty rewards. I love it because well, I, really I want to make sure the question is clear real quick. Yeah. Wes, why don't you come on, just ask the question um, and kind of, yeah, paint the picture for the listeners. So we're kind of continually talking about exchanges of information for for something. So exchanging a loyalty program for a paid membership plan or program that sort of uh, you're incorporating the two, but you're getting a consistent monthly, you know, or whatever it is, annual uh, dollar exchange. Yeah, so I, I've seen a lot of places do that. I know a barbecue restaurant that people are members. And they get four offers every month for being a member. And it's, it's like driving consistent business in. I like that better than loyalty because people are paying for it. Yeah, they're already paying for it. Like they're, yeah. You're getting that money whether they show up for whatever it is they pay for or not. And I you're always going to have that 1%, that 2% of people that are on vacation that month, right? Yeah. But they're going to stay in the program. So you could probably even offer a discounted rate to those people knowing that over time you're still going to make more because you're getting the money regardless of whether or not they show up. Well, I mean, look, look at one that I agree with, but I crack up because I, I don't think they did it correctly is the Panera coffee club. I, I drink Panera coffee once every two weeks, but I pay my nine bucks a month. They had that, what I consider free coffee. I'm like, so when I get free coffee, Panera, they're like, you're paying $9 a month more on, you don't get free coffee. I'm like, okay, my bad. But now in my mind, I have free coffee, like whenever I want to go. But the problem I think they screwed up on it with their model is I can walk in, grab my coffee and leave. I haven't gotten their bear claw in a long time. Whereas I used to walk up and I'd see the bear claw and the lady is standing there and she's like, Hey, thanks for coming in. What can I help you with? And I'm like, looking and the bear calls looking at me and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, give me a bear claw and a cinnamon roll and a coffee. Now, I literally go up to their kiosk, type my number in, pops up, redeem coffee club, get my coffee and leave. I never make it to the glass case and their upsell sucks on their app. So it's never got me, but there's a, I can't think of the guy's name. It's in a couple books I've, I've read. I want to say Bill Glazier, one of Bill Glazier's books. There's a, a famous restaurateur in like LA that opens all of his restaurants by selling memberships. He funds the restaurant opening by selling a membership, limited availability, he raised- that's not proof of concept. Hey, hey Eric, Eric, what's that? Eric, Bob, Bob, what's up? I, I had to unmute because you're starting to talk about the Kaizen model. Oh. <laughs> that's the Kaizen model. The, the you know Matt Matt would appreciate it because he's already got a Patreon condition with his gym. In our opinion, the future of the restaurant industry. You don't have to worry about getting data if you have a man, if you have a membership. In fact, you can get more data than you know what to do with on a membership. Uh, you can you can go to extremes. You could you could start asking them. I mean, the the Kaizen model is about you're the only customer we have. If you could just that. wrap I your love head that. around that. No, I'm a huge fan of the membership model. The you membership model, the project that we're doing is purely private membership. It's purely high tech driven. It's 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 a totally different model than any restaurant that's out there. There's one or two guys that are out there that are doing a hybrid. Uh, you know, the, the the technology instantly grabs the cell phone information for anybody 
in the four walls. So when your member brings a guest, we get their information immediately too. Yeah. I would like to find out who the people out there that are doing membership models are, because I, I really want to start talking to them. Well, you can so just put in private membership club in Google and go nuts. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's a, uh, there's a lot of opportunity. The only thing I, I'll say about thank you, Bob. that with, with, thank you, Bob, with regards to the, uh, I keep thinking his name says Snoop, not Sloop. I'm thinking like Snoop was on here. I'm like, damn <laughs> The, uh, my reach. <laughs> the, uh, the only, the only thing with the restaurant business, I think that there, there's, there's sometimes you've got something that is too foreign for the masses that it never catches adoption. Uh, like we've had some things that we've thought were gold in marketing, but nobody else does them. And so businesses aren't accustomed to paying you to do it because nobody else is doing it. The membership model where I've seen it have success is when they, they, they fund a certain percentage of their business based on that. Uh, now there are obviously country clubs. Like, I mean, my, my dad, I grew up at a country club. He paid like 500 bucks a month and we had to eat at the country club. It's just what it was. So it's out there. But I think for the masses of restaurants, it's not like there's a, a large enough capacity for every restaurant to do it. But I think I've seen a lot of, a lot of restaurants that do what I would consider membership slash paid loyalty. Hopper House has the Stein Club. You pay $125 a year to have a Stein that you buy from them at the restaurant and you get perks as a Stein club member. Yeah. I think mug mug clubs are like the, the best example of the, this happening early on in our industry. Yep. And it's a great way to start a restaurant. If you, if you want that initial capital, start a mug club from the, the day before you open. And that's going to be liquidity upfront that you get to use to like, you know, just get going. Right. Uh, we still haven't touched on those last two subjects officially, and we are over an hour of recording time. So I want to make sure I do love this dialogue, by the way, I'm loving the questions guys. Thank you very much. Uh, so let's just quickly tap yep. on online listings and social media. I don't think we need to go too deep there. Yeah. I mean, th- those are easier ones. I also want to finish with talking about the, the, the R, the ABR, the retain. Oh, right. Uh, but online listings, uh, it's everybody sends people to their, like their online listing is found by Yelp customers from the iPhone, by Google, everybody sends them to their website. And when you send someone to your website, unless you've got a pop-up, they're clicking everywhere. They can click and go everywhere. There's no control over it. I'm a fan of sending people from your listings to one place that only does is grab information. Because if somebody's found you on Google, they found you on Yelp, don't send them to your website. Your menu's already there. They, they more than likely have already seen your menu. They've seen your hours. Give them a valid reason. Like I, I had a restaurant recently that's a landing page. You know, they don't, they don't use Messenger. They use a landing page. They click, they go there. Hey, we're glad you visited from Yelp because you can do custom URLs. It's not a hard thing. We're glad you visited from Yelp. If you want to enjoy our restaurant and, you know, free for the first time, answer five questions below. We're going to give you a free burger for your first visit. Thank you. You can click skip to bypass this if you do not enjoy a free burger. And then it has on there, you know, you can only get it one time. And so they, they got to do it again. They already recognize them. But if they click skip, they just skip to go on their website anyways. And so I'm a fan of sending people to a place because if I'm on Yelp or I'm on Google looking at your restaurant, I'm probably going to come visit or I'm probably interested. Take it to the next level. Get my phone number. You know, I'm looking at you like I'm checking my wife out in study hall at Moorhead State. I'm looking at her and I'm like, hey, Marsha, what's her name? It's Christy. Okay, cool. You think she want to go out this weekend? Matt, why don't you ask her? Like, we're not five. So I walk over and I get Christy. She's like, yeah, I get her number. Here we are 26 years later and two kids. You know, it's the same thing. Is You got to pitch your dating, your customer. And 
if you're if somebody's on Yelp, are you going to let Yelp point them where they just go to the website? No, give them a specific place to go. Uh, social media, you know, everybody, everybody is in love with vanity. And I've, I've talked about this. You know, one of my clients, actually a guy from Hofbrau House, Nick, used to say, I can't deposit likes. I'm glad you get likes. I'm glad you get shares. I'm glad people watch your videos. Get them to take an action. And so if you picture a Facebook post and somebody took the time to stop and look at your post, don't just tell them about something. Get them to take an action. So we have a brand called Cup Bop in Idaho we work with. We work with them in Arizona, Nevada, and Idaho. And the Idaho ones, they had an ad agency that worked for for seven months. They ran a bunch of really cool ads. And those ads got a lot of people watching and clicking and going to the website. Every ad literally had the same call to action. Check out our menu. Check out our menu. Check out our menu. He asked me for my advice. We already looked at the other ones. I said, man, they're doing a good job there, but are people doing more than checking the menu out? I don't know. I mean, it's just they go to the website. We have no way of knowing. So we switched up the call to action. It wasn't check out the menu. It was click or comment below for a chance to have your first bit, your first bowl for free. And the people would comment. It would fire the automation. They'd click. It would fire the automation. Literally, I think it was 2,800 people in like five days joined this program from five stores. Their sales were up uh, 59% in three days from the prior week. And I said, dude, you had all these people nurtured. They were, you're, you're, you're telling the click. Well, the click does nothing. It gets them to the website. Great. Get them to take a meaningful action. But in order to do that, you got to bribe them. So that's a yeah. bit. Yeah. And uh, I recently re-interviewed Rev uh, Sancho. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. You know him. Did I say his name correctly? I always pronounce it wrong too. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Rev, if you're listening to this. And Rory Balkin on the show to talk to us about social media best practices, getting people to take action, getting your followers to be, I think, buyers or purchasers or action takers. I can't remember the exact title of the episode. Uh, but the big thing that I took away from that episode is you can't just ask your people to do something. You have to show them how to do it. So it's do this. And then the following, the subsequent content thereafter in the same video or whatever is and here's how you do it you know like go to this page go to click this click that and it can literally be four or five seconds but when you show people what's behind the action you take the mystery away they're going to be more likely to follow through because they're going to know that you're not baiting them and switching them you know so if you show them what's behind the curtain then they're more likely to follow through and they know exactly what to do what are your thoughts on that Oh, it's exactly what we do. We actually work with a restaurant uh, that uh, Rev knows. Uh, he, I think he introduced us to called uh, Sophia's Pizza out in uh, in Texas, I think. Austin, Texas, maybe. But think about this. Imagine if, like, imagine you're 16 and you're on one street and there's stop signs that say stop. And you go to a new neighborhood, there's red signs that don't say stop. Are you stopping? I mean, you, there's going to be kids like, I don't know what the hell that is. Like, it's, it's just a red sign. There's a reason it says stop. I mean, I, I'd be willing to bet if we did a little social experiment and we had a different neighborhoods with no stop signs, like signs that didn't say stop, the kids probably wouldn't stop because my kid would go, doesn't say stop. And it's the same way, like people need to be instructed. Click here, comment below your favorite burger from this list of five burgers, and we're going to give you a free one and like or whatever. And so like you mentioned, setting the table. When you ask people to do stuff, if you set the table for what is next, there's an expectation and deliver on the expectation. One of the things that happened a lot during uh, two elections ago, there'd be an ad that said, this is where a lot of Facebook's rules came from. Hey, comment below if you love chocolate milk. 
and you did, and it went to a Facebook message that said, vote for Bernie Sanders. You're like, the hell is this? Like, literally, saw, it literally happened everywhere. It was every political candidate had crazy ads running. It had nothing to do with them. But you went to that landing page or that messenger or whatever, and it, it was like, what is this? But, I mean, so if you got somebody that says, hey, you love our brand, take the action below, and here's what's going to happen. And those people will take that action. Now, there's some cool things in there. One quick tip I'll give everybody before we finish this part of it is always write enough text in your Facebook post that they have to click see more. Because if you picture somebody stops, imagine this is a giant phone. I stop my scroll. I'm looking at your Facebook post and it's one sentence. Our burgers rock. Okay. There's no call to action, but there's also no see more. Now let's say it's our burgers rock. Which one's your favorite one? You list 20 burgers. Well, they got to click see more to see the burgers. When they click see more, Facebook algorithm knows, okay, Matt Plapp stopped on this post. Matt Plapp clicked see more. Oh, now we have double attribution. And that gives their algorithm, their machine learning, more information to find more Matt Plapps. And at the end of the day, that's what social media is about. You want to get engagement to get data, whether that data is your information, which is the gold, or it's the demographics that Facebook needs that says, hey, behavior. You know, that yeah, behavior that you know, Benjamin and Daniel and Matt and Wes and Robert all took this action. What do they have in common? And how should I and how can we find more people like that? And the other aspect of it is it also eliminates people. That when people like we all have friends, like I've got a friend of mine who I always crack up because I've never seen him post on Facebook. He never comments, he never likes, he never does anything. Whenever I see him, he knows my life. He knows everything I'm up to, everything our company's up to. He's a stalker. Well, Facebook eliminates the stalkers from like when people that look at your ad or content that don't engage with it eventually go away. And the people that are brought in are the people that engage. And so that's a really important aspect there. What was the, I saw a question in here. Yeah. So there's one more question uh, that came in. How hard of a hook should that visible blur be? I think in reference to the Facebook yeah. post, the see more, how much of a hook should there be? So it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If, you, if that post is meant to get somebody to take an act, every post you make can't have a call to action because then you'd be asking for a lot of action, but you should have a mix that we're on a daily, but weekly basis. If you make 10 posts, you should have three to four that are hardcore getting people to take action. You should also have ads running behind those that are consistently running to find new people. Uh, but then you should also have posts mixed in there that relate to people taking an action about them. A good example is we one I use a lot is Mother's Day. Back in April, for a lot of our clients, we did an email and a text campaign, which is the next topic I want to cover real quick is retention. Did an email and text campaign saying, hey, Mother's Day is coming up. We want to hear your favorite memory of you and mom. Click below, go to Facebook and leave a memory that sticks in your head to you and your mom. The one place we work with had like 240, 240 people that left a picture and a four to five sentence paragraph about a memory of their and their mom. Had nothing to do with the restaurant, had nothing to do with buying food, nothing to do with making reservations, but it had a really simple call to action. Comment below with a special memory of you and your mom. And we targeted women who were frequent customers. But so when you look at your call to action, like if you look at 10 posts in a week, you know, 30% of those should be 100% how to do business with us. Click here, do this, get this reward, whatever. 30% or 40% should be about your customers. Talk to us, 
What's important? What's happening right now across the country? High school football, fantasy football. Like get on there and comment. If you're a restaurant that caters to men, have a post that says fantasy football drafts, who's the top five quarterbacks on your board? It's going to get people to comment and engage. Uh, and it's not about the restaurant. Now they might, in your mind, you want to get more fantasy draft football parties there. Now all of a sudden that person's like, hey, we got to have our draft party at Joe's, at Joe's Beer Shack. Uh, and then the other ones, the rest of your posts uh, should be things related to educating people on who and what you do. But you like those call to action. You can't have a call to action in every post because then you'll just yeah. burn people. Out. So specifically for us, I think this is huge because you're such a niche. Like there's so many questions you can ask dialogue and conversation you can develop around gaming, being a gaming cafe that if you just start engaging that audience, it, you know, you're just, it's for you. It's 100% community. Your community is going to be everything to you. And if you can be the place for people like you to come and gather and entice them and engage them in, the, in that dialogue, I think that's huge. Yeah. So on the retention aspect, I know we're going long here. I don't, I'm, I'm I don't mind if you don't mind, man. You're I'm fine. No, I'm, gold. I'm going to the gym. Go. I'm going to the gym in an hour and 25 minutes. So you're stuck with me now. The, uh, no. So the, the last part of that is attract, build, retain. So attract, how do I attract attention? Build, how do I build a database off of the attention? And the last part is retain. How do I retain people that are in my database? So one of the biggest problems I see restaurants have outside of not doing a good job of getting people's data is they use it incorrectly. And so if I go home, and I, and I always use the example of my wife a lot. If I go home every night to my wife, go, hey, you know what? I was on a podcast with Eric today. Man, I, I, I crushed it. I was awesome. I did this. I did this. I went to the gym. I maxed out my bench. I did a six-minute mile. Uh, I was driving home. Some cute lady was looking at me, waving at me. Like, if I went home and it was the Matt Plapp show, she'd be like, seriously, bro, I'm done. Like, quit talking to me. That is what happens with most restaurants is every week, you're talking to your customers about you. You're puking on them about why they should eat at your restaurant. And so when you think about retention, uh, you want to all you want to do is get in the conversation and engagement. And conversation is a key part because I ask this question a lot. When was the last time people replied to your emails? Like if you send an email to a thousand people, very few of them click reply and comment anything. They just delete it or they take the action. You want to start conversations. And so one thing we look at with restaurants is you got four opportunities a month. First week, second week, third week, fourth week. Yeah, I know some months there's more weeks, but let's just say four weeks. One message a month in your text and email campaign. And I always like tie things back to social too, but one of your campaigns a month, like we use week one is new people, people that have told us they're brand new to the brand. Week number two, we target frequent people, people that told us they come all the time. Week number three, we target lost people, people who told us through the marketing hey, I haven't been in a while. I used to come. And then week four is everybody. And so what we look at there is week one and week three, we're alternating the topics because we're trying to drive action. That is an audience that you need to say, dude, get your butt in here and eat lunch with us. Week two, we look at engaging frequent customers. So for example, that, that email that goes out for Mother's Day in April that goes out to the frequent customers, we don't send that to everybody. We sent that email to women that said they were frequent customers. So there's like a thousand women in this customer's database that said, hey, I, I, we, we have them as female because it tags them when they join. And then we know they're frequent. So we send them and say, hey, go to Facebook. Let us know a special memory of you and your mom. The reason that's important for frequent is they don't need to be reminded why they come to the restaurant. They just need to remember your restaurant. And they also don't need, from your standpoint, you want them to engage at a high level 
you know, a new and a lost customer get a Mother's Day email about going and leaving a special memory with mom? Well, who the heck are you to tell me to do something? <laughs> I don't know you yet. I don't have that trust. But if I'm a frequent customer and you email me and say, hey, go to Facebook and drop an image of you and mom in the comments on this Facebook post and let us know a special memory, that customer is going to do it. And then the last week of the month, we do something to engage everybody, something that's easy, something that's quick. Hey, go on there. There's a picture of a 500 growlers or what it looks like. And guess how many growlers are in our storage? Now you're kind of cross-marketing growlers and beer, but you're saying, go on there, comment. Whoever guesses the most is going to get five free growler fills. So do something unique. But what you look at there is if you look at it and say, okay, here's the difference. And I just told you two things. Number one, your messaging shouldn't be the same every week about you. Number two, you should be targeting different segments every week. Because if I do new customers, frequent customers, and lost customers in week one, two, and three, and then everybody in week four, that means I've talked to my audiences twice a month for 12 months. Whereas most businesses are emailing everybody 52 weeks a year. And as much as I love your restaurant, as much as I enjoy eating there, I don't need an email every week. And when I get an email every week, I quit opening your emails. And when it gets about four, five, six months in, people quit. They, it just doesn't pay attention. And so now you just lost that audience. So two big things with retention is number one, talk to people differently based on who they are. And number two, don't talk to them every week. Because if you don't talk to them every week, now you become a little, you become a little more important when you do arrive in the inbox, especially if it's a frequent customer and they know they're only going to see you. They don't know it's twice in fourth week, but they know they only see occasional email from you. And that makes it more important that they're going to open and click it. And then also when the message isn't always about you, when it involves Mother's Day, Father's Day, fantasy football, high school football, charitable, when it involves something that's not saying come eat food, they appreciate that more and they engage more. Awesome stuff. Um, Wes did have a question. I don't know if this is around retention. Maybe we, I guess maybe how, how bad is it if you post engagement or engagement questions and get crickets? Not open yet. He's, Wes is not open yet, but they're yep. building their base. So mm-hmm. what if he's not getting engagement early on? Wes, I've probably done, if I had to guess, I don't know, 20,000 videos. A lot. My first ever Facebook Live was me. I remember holding my phone. I'm like, Hey, it's Matt Plapp. I'm at XYZ. And I'm like looking going, there's nobody on. Like, why, who am I talking to? (laughs) Like what's going on here? You got to start somewhere and make fun of it. Hey, today's questions, this, by the way, nobody answered yesterday. So I'm going to just assume this is the answer and have fun with it. And then also, you know, find a way to get people to, you know, you're not open yet. Go to a restaurant down the street and buy buy t- gift cards from 10 restaurants and say, hey, we're opening up soon. I think your place is awesome. I, I want to buy some gift cards and do some giveaways on ours. They'll share it. I love that. People, people will comment. Uh, it'll eventually take it. But I mean, it, it comes down to it's like anything else. Like we get you know, clients that get crickets. When I hear you say that, Matt, I think... I'm always giving the advice to people just to go talk to their the, the, their competition, the other restaurants in their in their community. If they're not, if people aren't eating at your restaurant, where else are they eating? Go talk to those people, engage those people, and if you say thank you by purchasing gift cards from them, that you then turn around and promote them to your customers. I think that's probably the best way to reciprocate, and it's going to show. You know, it's that's like an olive brancher. Is that the olive yeah. branch? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah. standing an olive branch. Yeah. Yeah. But no, you're, you're going to get crickets. Uh, and so you, you got to find what that winning formula is. Uh, you're going to get posted, get one like. It's going to be your mom. 
you know, I, I've got I've got content on some of our social channels. We do good on some, we do terrible on some, you know. And it, and I look at it from it's it's all it all compounds. And you know what? If I do another ten thousand videos and every video gets one more person to watch uh, in ten years, I'm in a much better place than I was if I had never made a video. Uh, and you know, we've got Facebook posts that I think are gold that get like two likes. I look at my mom and dad. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> no how, many, how many downloads do you think I was getting when I started this podcast 820 episodes ago? Zero. Yeah, maybe maybe 50 on a good one on a good episode, but yeah. you know, I think you just got to show up, just just start and keep showing up and you'll see it over time it will build. Uh I've loved this conversation. Is there anything left in on the the topic of retention that you haven't dropped on us yet that you want to get out? <laughs> topic of retention. So Number one, when you're building that data, this goes to retention. When you're building your database, don't be afraid to ask for a lot of information so that you can segment. Yes. A lot of, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm just going to ask for email. It's the lowest hanging fruit. It's really easy. I'm going to get one thing. So I'll say, okay, if you get a thousand people and you say, hey, I'm going to ask you five questions, your, your, your gender, your visit frequency, your email, your phone, or your birthday. And I'll say a thousand people start the process. And if you're upfront about it, and you tell them why. Not going to spam you. You're going to get something valuable. You're going to get a birthday gift. If you tell them why, and you get a thousand people that start, and you have a system set up to where they can skip, like our system, for example, if somebody starts and tells me their visit frequency and their email, and then two hours later, it hasn't given us their phone number, it sends a reminder. And then if within 24 hours, because we use Facebook Messenger, you have 24 hour rules. Within 24 hours, regardless of what info you gave me, we deliver the VIP offers. Hey, Matt, we didn't get your name, your email and phone number, but we wanted to make sure you still got this. You're valuable to us. Here you go. And what happens when they come to redeem it? Hey, to get the second one, if you want it, give us your, you got to complete your profile. So now it does it. But don't be afraid to ask for more information. Don't be afraid to get it we, because if you get a yeah. thousand, but if you get a thousand of a start, you're going to get about 92% we see that give you that first piece of data, about 88 the second, about 85. The th- it goes down about 75 to 85% will give you all five pieces of data. I would rather have a lot of data from 75 people than one piece of data from a thousand. Well, my thought is even if they don't fill out everything in the survey, if the, if the, the call to action sends them to the, to redeem something, they're going to have to put their, maybe it's an online order for pickup. Yeah. Then you're still going to have to get their email and all the other information and the phone number to place the order to generally. So yeah. I don't know, maybe it's a little bait and switchy, uh, or maybe it's a little trickery, but at least you're, you're starting, you're getting the ball in motion. Right. And then if they fall, if they choose like, yeah, well, I still want the free thing. You're not going to get my email, but I'm going to order online. I'll show you. <laughs> well, did you, <laughs> cause you're still giving your information. So to, to wrap all this up too, and kind of just hit home the big part of it is I was talking to, uh, there's a brand called Hothead Burritos that uh, Peter Wiley and Ray Wiley, Ray Wiley's the founder, Peter Wiley's the marketing director. And Peter said something a while back. Peter's probably one of the most savvy marketers I deal with in the restaurant business who gets it because he, he said something to me. He's like, we're talking about the whole system of how people see the advertisements, give us their information, get an offer, walk in the restaurant, use the offer. He said, Matt, at the end of the day, if you like Hothead Burritos, and you engage in our marketing. And let's say I get 10 impressions a year. And that 10 impressions a year leads to two visits. If I get 100 impressions a year, there's a pretty good chance that two visits goes up to, like, say, six or eight. If I get 500 impressions a year, that might go to 20. So it's at the end of the day, it's all about impressions. It's all about if people 
who's willing to spend the most money to get your name, your logo, your information in front of people who know, like, and trust your brand or want to try your brand. And so a lot of people like, you know, they don't give it enough time of marketing or they switch it up and, you know, go, uh, you know, switch it up all the time. You know, it's, it cracks me up. Like how many restaurants do you know, Eric, that change their sign on their building every three months? None, right? Yeah, I can't. I was going to say, I can't think of any. I hope to God they don't yeah. be expensive. But I can tell you right now, I know restaurants that change their marketing strategy on Facebook, Instagram, email, tech. I know people that have hired and fired 15 to 20 marketing companies in five years. It's like, oh, this isn't working. Well, it's not working as you didn't. You didn't let it try yet. It's the same thing with why our, our whole country, the, the weight loss industry and the fitness trend. I see it at my gym. I get friends that like join our gym. I saw a guy from high school join our gym. Did I happen to be there? I'm like, what's up, Trevor, man? How you doing, bro? He needs to lose about 100 pounds. He never was like, I'm, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do it. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard as shit like, to, to lose weight at that level. And so guess what's going to happen? He's going to come work out. No shit. I guarantee you. He'll come and work out for three or four weeks. He'll buy some of the supplements we also have. And in two or three months, we're like, ah, it's, this isn't for me. It's not working. No, it's not working. You got fat in 10 years, not six months. Well, your business marketing got fat over the course of you not knowing what you're doing. So don't give up in three months or six months. Like I, I literally had one guy got mad at me when he was canceling some marketing he was doing with us. I said, hey, do you have a toolbox here? He's, yeah, why? Well, I said, we need to get your sign, your sign down. It's not working. What? I said, let's go take your sign off the building. You're telling me what we're doing. You know, we spent 10 grand and 8,000 people gave us their information. And it's taking this, it's not going to happen in two months. Why, why isn't your sign getting the same crap? Take the damn thing down. It's ugly. And he's like, I, just, I, don't, I don't agree. He was like kind of mad at it because I was a little aggressive on it. But I mean, I, it, I was trying to get a point across to him. Uh, the one thing I noticed too about data, the more we get involved with data, the more people will critique it, but not judge anything else. I had a restaurant recently that was looking at stuff we work with them on. And man, they were picking it apart. Like how many people gave us their information? How many walked in? What percentage? What blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, you guys buy radio still, right? Yeah, we spend eight grand a month. How many people heard your radio commercial and walked in a restaurant last month? I don't know. Oh, so you, have, you literally have no idea. No. How many people heard your radio commercial that gave you their name, phone number, and email? And you know what? How many people gave you any piece of data from here? I mean, I, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, so you got something you're spending a thousand dollars on that you're beating the death with a, like a, like a dead animal, a baseball, like a bee that just stung you. But you got this over here. It's like, ah, it's mass media. It's like what we've always done. And I think a lot of times when I, when I was telling some of my team members the other day, we had made like a little training with five of the salespeople. I said, you know, unfortunately, we're able to show people a lot of stuff. We're able to show them this ad ran and this many people clicked it. And this people gave us their info. And this people walked in a restaurant and they spent this much money. They're going to dig it. They're going to look at every angle. Whereas when they get radio ads or direct mail or TV or billboards or their sign, it's just, it is what it is. It's a, it's a known entity. You got to do it. Yeah. That's the part that just crushes Matt, I've loved today's conversation. I think you've dropped a ton of value. We pulled back some layers. We got greedy with our questions and you delivered. Thank you so much. I think now's the time to wrap it up. And how can we connect with you? If we're interested in working with you, if you left us wanting more, uh, What's the best way to connect? So my email is matt at mattplapp.com. 
And mattplapp.com is my personal website. If you go on there, it'll point you in directions of where you want to check me out, the podcast, uh, the uh, websites for our companies. Uh, and if you want to email me also, uh, since you're, they're a listener of yours, we've got some of my books here. I'll mail you a copy of the book. Nice. So if you want and to do email, me a favor, CC me on that email too, because I'd yep. love to know. So Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable, that's Eric with a C. Sorry, I think I spoke over you. No, you're good. Just just tell them you want the 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 free book from Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable, and we'll uh, get it shipped out to you ASAP. But I mean, it's all about helping. Yeah, my cell phone number too. If you want to call me, I'm you know pretty busy, but I try my hardest to return phone calls and texts. It's eight five nine seven four three two four zero eight. It's in that room somewhere. Uh, but that's my phone number. If you want to give me a call and have a conversation, I'm an open book. I always tell people, you know what? I'm not a, I guess you would consider me a sales guy because it's what's in my blood. But at the end of the day, I'm helping people. If you want to have a conversation and get advice, hey, here's my website. Here's my Facebook page. Here's something we do. You know, what do you think works or doesn't work? I'm going to give you an honest opinion. Uh, and then I'm also going to tell you when I think you're, you're, you know, you're crazy on certain things that are or aren't working. Because, you know, I think unfortunately a lot of people are lip service. Uh, I, I'm usually pretty honest on it, but I like having conversations. I like giving value and I like uh, helping people succeed because I think if you help enough people get what they want, you'll eventually get what you want. Yes, absolutely. And it's that mantra that made me start this podcast because I knew I wasn't in the position to open a restaurant, but I knew I was in the position to start learning and sharing those lessons with other people who were in the position. And it does come back around. I think I'm living proof of that. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, educate us today around uh, attracting, wait, a America's best restaurants, attracting, building, and retaining customers. Uh, this was a great conversation. And Matt is in the network as well. If you want to connect with them over there, that's always an option. So I think we can wrap it there. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks, sir. Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys found value in that conversation. Special thanks to our guest, Matt Plapp. If you guys enjoyed what Matt had to say today and you want his book, like he mentions, email him matt at mattplapp.com. That's P-L-A-P-P, plapp.com. And uh, yeah, get his book and CC me, Eric, at Restaurant Unstoppable. That's Eric with a C. I would love to be in the loop with that. And if you do choose to work with Matt, if you choose to hire his firm again, please let me know because Matt is, uh, will let me know and let him know because Matt is an affiliate. And I mentioned in the beginning of the today's episode right out of the gates that you can support the show by using our affiliates. Matt is one of our affiliates. He's going to pay me $500 for every client I send his way in full transparency. So if you want to support this podcast and you want to use the tools and services that are being recommended to us organically, that's how you support it. You, you follow through, you let us know and thank you in advance and uh, lots of cool stuff happening in the network. And today was kind of a good example of what you can expect in the network. You're a part of the conversation. You're literally a part of these interviews and I'm connecting you with people that you wouldn't normally have access to unless you're paying a decent amount of money. So if you want to join the conversation, be sure you do head over to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com. And before we wrap it up, I want to let you know what we got going on at Restaurant Unstoppable. In two weeks, we're going to be in Nashville, Tennessee uh, for some interviews. And we're actually working on a little side project. Uh, we don't really know what is going to come of the side project. I'm not really telling you exactly what we're going to do because honestly, we don't know what we're going to do. But we are, I will say this, we are going to try to dabble in the world of documentaries. And um, frankly, this is me investing in somebody in my team 
uh, we always learn on the show that it's about creating opportunity for others. And Jared came to me with this idea. He's really passionate about filmmaking and documentaries, and he wanted to create a documentary. Uh, we're going to just kind of go and ask questions to a few different people we have on our radar who are in the network, share their story. And we don't really know what our angle is going to be, but we're excited for this. And while we're out in Nashville, we're going to connect with some restaurant tours to do some restaurant tour interviews. So if you're in Nashville the last week of October and you want to connect, please let me know and let me know who you think I should get on the show in Nashville as well. I'm, I'm always looking for the next guest. And before I let you go, I want to let you know what we have happening next week in the network. Josh Copel uh, from the Full Comp Podcast is joining us live at 5.30 on Monday to go over his three keys, the three big lessons he's learned with his podcast, the Full Comp Podcast. Uh, we're going to kind of dissect that. So if you want to join us for that conversation, that's 5.30 on Monday. And then on Wednesday, we have Nicole Nicella and John Daniels, two of our most recent guests joining us for some pure mentoring. So be sure you listen to uh, Nicole's episode. It went live a couple weeks ago. Uh, you can connect with her and ask her your questions. And she's going to be joined with her partner, John Daniels. We're actually interviewing him this Sunday. His episode has not gone live yet, but you will be able to connect with the both of them. And then on Friday, another peer mentoring session, Michael Chernow from the Meatball Shop will be available at 1230 Friday in the network. So be a part of these conversations. Come be a part of the transformation of the industry. And I can't wait to meet you. Until next time, peace out.